Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallacer are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, before we get to Doug and Jess, they're wound up, ready to go. Especially in this crazy, cold, snowy weather, they want a thing spring. So get on the phone and talk to them about gardening, okay? 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. You can text them on the Red Automotive Line, best deal in town. Tenth caller right now at 412-922-1020. Wins an amazing $25 gift certificate from Randy and Company, the great Sorgles family out in Wexford. So here they are, both from the Tribune Review and Doug from EverybodyGardens.com, your organic gardeners for this Sunday, January 27, 2019. Doug and Jess. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Oh, pretty easy to get in today. The roads were clear. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> although, I, I got to say, we had a good probably three quarters of an inch of snow on the ground out, out in the boonies where I live. Yeah, so. we didn't get quite that much. We just got kind of a dusting but better than last week that's for sure that's for sure (laughs) uh you know i want to start off i want to talk about this interview i did with uh, we talked a little bit a little bit about it last week Uh, gary ipson who runs this company called uh, tomato fest they grow out him and his wife dagma lacy grow out 650 different tomatoes and it's just the two of them uh but i called and he was surprised when he picked up the phone because neither one of us realized we were in different time zones. <laughs> He's in California. Oh. I wasn't calling him at 10 in the morning. I was calling him at 7 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, I'll have to call you, or I'll have to, can you call me back in like a half hour because I'm in my morning ritual? And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I said, I, I got back and I said, tell me about your morning ritual. And to me, this was the, just the cutest and sweetest thing. Now, so, we, this guy is... How old is he? He's 74. 74, okay. I don't know how old she is, but uh, here's what he he starts every morning. At 6.40 a.m., I start to make Dagma's tea. That's his wife. At 7 a.m., I slip into the dark bedroom, put her pot of tea on her bedside table, then wake Dagma with a kiss and whisper, Good morning, Dagma. Here's your tea to start what I hope will be your best day. Then I close the open window, turn on the heat, or start a fire in the wood-burning stove, Fluff up her pillows, give another, give another kiss, then return to the office. <laughs> that's just the now sweetest thing. Now that's how thing. it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever now seen a big, a, big enough a, smile on your face well, like that. <laughs> well, that's one of the things. Like I'm watching Downton Abbey, right? Like I love. I don't. You yeah. guys have probably haven't yeah, watched Downtown Down, Arby's. I know it. <laughs> Downton Abbey, and like you know, uh, if you're a married woman, you have breakfast in bed, and so the. But in this case, it's not your husband that brings you the tray of tea and biscuits. It's your your maid, right? Your handmade that brings you the tray of tea and i'm like now that is how it done how it's done let's rewind <laughs> breakfast in bed every day just for being married i just thought it was that's the nice. sweetest that is so that's sweet. the sweetest thing oh and God. i use that as the top of the story yeah i put that the i first think cindy's going to be expecting that from now on <laughs> that sounds good to me <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I said last week and i've been telling you for the last few weeks i'm not i'm not caught into the spell of any new tomatoes i'm going to stick with all my old stuff 
blah, blah, blah. So I talked to him and I got four new tomatoes I'd already ordered. And the first one was the reason I did the story is that he was releasing a tomato in memory of Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And it's called Anthony's Passionate Heart. It's got a good story. You know, he he just, he really admired Anthony Bourdain and this connection that Bourdain had with food and uh, different cultures. And so he put the word out to his friends that breed tomatoes. You got anything really good that hasn't been named yet? And one, uh, or one of his friends had two tomatoes he sent him. And the one that he chose that became Anthony's passionate heart is a cross between sun gold and Amish paste. And, you know, it took like seven years and it's uh, reliable and just a heart-shaped, super tasty, old-fashioned heirloom tomato. And so that's the first one on the list. And then he's got a whole series uh, from, you'll have to help me with the last name, Craig. Lahoulier? Yep, that's it. Uh, And he's bred these tomatoes. They're indeterminate. But they're dwarf. Yes, the Dwarf Tomato Project. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Craig's. Craig uh, wrote a book called Epic Tomatoes. That's really an epic book about tomatoes. Uh, it was appropriate and he, appropriately named. And he's, yeah, so he's working with a bunch of people on the Dwarf Tomato Project. To, so, and they're true dwarf tomatoes. Yeah, they're so really neat. Gary was just, you know, he's he's carrying like, I think, 20-some different varieties of from that project, mm-hmm. even though at every every turn in the interview, he said, I'm trying to cut down, trying to take 100 out, <laughs> and he's adding 25. It was so funny, you know, because, again, you know, and he's, he's talking to his wife. He's just like, you know, we need a five-year plan, and she says, I want to keep doing it. She, he's like, okay, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. He, and you know what? If you're still cranking out that many tomatoes, like six hundred and fifty varieties, you can't quit now. And he just he wants to save all the varieties. He sure. Wants to, and and some of the, the the one dwarf one I ordered was dwarf purple heart, mm. which looks really interesting. But another one that is a regular sized tomato that I got is called Homer Fikes Yellow Ox Heart, and it was an unknown tomato only known to the Fike family. And then somebody from the family sent some seeds to, to Gary. And he just, it was a phenomenal ox heart. And he said, he put it in, it become one of their most popular tomatoes. And mm. so, so much for not trying anything new this year. Yeah, well, and you think about somebody like that that has carried a tomato in their family for all those years. If the next generation isn't gardeners and they don't want to grow that out, I mean, that that variety is lost forever. And, and he's, really he's the only commercial breeder I know of that uh, carries Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top. Mm. And somebody sent him some of those, and uh, I talked to him about that. He said, there is a cult around that tomato, <laughs> and that's the tomato that Fred Limbaugh shared with me in 2000 that I give the seeds away uh, for. We'll talk about that, and when we get to February, I'll be giving some seeds away. But So lots of fun stuff. I'm looking forward to my two tomatoes. I'm gonna. I hope you'll have room for one or two of these that I can give you plant wise stick in your garden i always i always have room for a couple more tomatoes ladies and gentlemen if you have room for a tomato or two and you want to talk about it give us a call 866-391-1020 dollar bank instant access kdkradio.com or you can text us on the red automotive line the best deal in town this is the organic gardeners and congratulations to darlena swickley winner of that 25 dollars gift certificate from sorgles doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, back at it, ladies and gentlemen. The Organic Gardeners, Doug and Jess on the radio and ready to go to the phone. Let's head out to North Hills and say hi to Kay. Hey, Kay, welcome to KDKA Radio. Good morning. Um, my question, 
Doug and Jessica, when it got really, really cold really, really quick a couple weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, we we have a, a lot of trees on our property, and everything was popping really loud out there. We went online, and it, it has something to do with the sap in the trees. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's called frost cracking. And it's, Does it damage the tree? No, 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 no. I mean, there are some, in some cases. I've uh, never heard this. I never, I never really? been out and heard any. My like wow. would be maple trees would be. Or no, what, they what would it be? a bunch of different trees can. Some are more prone to it than others. I mean, the biggest damaging possibility with frost cracking is actually where you get a split up the trunk of the tree. Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah, it's typically on. Let's see, that would be the south side of the tree where the sun, you know, the sun is shining on it. And what happens is when you get really cold temperatures and then really bright sun, it will cause the sap within the tree to start flowing. And then you get a cold temperature again at night and that can then cause it to crack. And and when you're talking about those little pops and crackles, they're further out, they're, you know, more towards the tips of the branches. And so oh. you can have a little bit of that cracking and popping, but it could also just be, Uh, If there was a coating of ice on the tree and then you get a little wind that blows and it actually is the sound of that ice cracking, too. So it's nothing to worry about. Um, You know, trees and shrubs are very resilient. Uh, There are varieties that are fully hardy here. They're used to those fluctuations in temperature this type of year or this time of year. And it really in trees, even if they do split all the way up the trunk from cross crack. uh, from frost cracking, a lot of times they'll heal over. You'll get callousing, and and the tree will be just fine. Okay, was it like going crazy out there? Were you just like, oh, it was, it was so loud. Wow. It was po- po- and other people uh, out, that were outside too. Everybody was kind of commenting on it. It was, I, it was very, very loud, very mm. unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I, I hope I get to hear that. I've never heard it. You just got to spend more time in the woods, man. It sounds oh, wait, good you me. live in the woods. I live in the woods, and I've never heard it. <laughs> All right, let's say hi Thanks, to Kay. Bill in Harris. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Welcome to KDK Radio. Yeah, good morning. Uh, you were speaking of the yellow ox hearts, I do believe. Yes. I'm wondering, I have raised the orange ox hearts for several years, which has been my favorite tomato and I'm wondering if it's uh, the same or close relation or what, but it is by far my favorite tomato. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I'm cutting back about 10 different varieties and raising more of the, uh, just a couple or three of my traditional ones that I like, and the orange ox hearts will be one of the bigger varieties that I've, uh, that I raise. Uh, do you remember because, where? Do you remember where you got that one? I have. I I believe that I've had it for several years. I, the, my thing was was this: if I thought there was another yellow oxard out there that might be different, I would like to try it along with the orange oxards. But I would not know where to buy it. Well, you know what? I'll hook you up. You know, I'm getting a packet of these uh, uh, Homer Fikes yellow ox heart. I'd be glad to either send you some seeds or get you some plants, whatever you'd like, because I think that'd be a fun experiment, uh, especially if somebody, uh, the seed, a, a the grower seeds like would you. Be, the seeds would be fine because I, 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 I raise my own plants, uh, 
in but I think I think it would be good to see if they were exactly the same or if they are just a close variety. But I I have raised that ox heart the for I don't know probably ten years, and I give tons of tomatoes away. Right. The price must be right because they keep coming back because I give them away. <laughs> so and basically everybody wants that orange ox hearts, and I have all different kinds, but boy, that's the one everybody wants. Well, now you guys have both convinced me that I also need to try growing a yellow or orange ox heart. So if you're going to offer him a seed or two, Doug, you're going to offer me a plant or two? Oh, you will definitely get you a plant or two. But you know what? uh, We'll put you on hold, and uh, we'll get your uh, information, and you and I will hook up. I'll get you some seeds, and Jessica, you get some plants, and everybody in the audience, let's... Like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll be giving away seeds for the rest of my life, but... Uh, <laughs> well, there's worse things you could give that's to people. True. Hey, where can... This is a right out of a text message. Where can you buy tomato plants? I mean, during the season, just about any good nursery, and now there's a... I mean, used to be you could get four or five varieties. Now, most nurseries have... You know, Do you think they're talking specifically about where they can get the tomato plants that we were just talking about? Maybe. Like these ones that you're going to grow out? But all the ones that I'm growing are going to be from seed, and that's from Tomato Fest. You can just search online Tomato Fest. They've got a really nice website. But the plants for these kind of varieties... Again, you know, they're so they're a little obscure. Yeah, still, they're gonna not. Be, it's so... going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find them. And even some of the ones I didn't talk about are very rare. You know, when, when I. I talked to to Gary. We 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 you know decided I decided what I wanted to get, but then I went online and I just in his website I just searched the word rare. Mm-hmm. I wanted something weird and different, and that one I can't even pronounce. <laughs> you gave a shot at it. Third one down Which there. Which one is number three here? Say it fast. Third one down is Rob or Jack. Rab or Jack. Rab or Jack. R A B O R J A K. Sent to him from like Croatia, and it's a oh, oddly I shaped. I was like, "That's Croatian." Oh, you knew. <laughs> You're smart. Smarter than you look. Uh, it, oh. It's just a uh, purple, medium-sized, weirdly shaped tomato that's supposed to have good taste. Yeah. So. The other thing we should point out is that you know, even if you can't get a hold of these exact varieties that Doug is talking about. It's definitely all of our sponsors carry multiple varieties of uh, very unusual tomatoes, different heirlooms, and also different hybrids as well. So they are out there all over. The other great place that I love to go look for my tomatoes every year is down at Phipps Maymart. So they oh, always, that's a that's a great idea because they, they have yeah. a ton of different varieties. And there are so many, you know, nurseries that come there and sell now and they have just the most incredible selection of tomato plants. So you if you don't want to start your own from seed, but you want to grow something a little bit funkier, go down to Maymart and look at all the different options there. I mean, you will be it will be hundreds of different varieties of tomatoes. For well, you that, to that's through. fun. And you know, like at Hot Nursery, they're the only one that I know of. They have just a, a little local grower mm-hmm. that grows this one called Heart of Italy that I love and I can't really find it anywhere else. And so it doesn't have to be these four tomatoes that I grow. That you know, there's just there's there's hundreds and hundreds of varieties, and we all try something different and have fun with it. And I think this uh, orange and yellow ox heart thing is going to be fun for all of us, isn't it? I think so too. I hope it's as good as everybody seems to think it is. The, the I love ox, orange tomatoes; they're my favorite. The ox hearts have have uh, usually are are just you know very few seeds and very meaty, and that's that's what I I love. But a lot of 
a lot of growers or gardeners are used to more of a juicy tomato. You know, the you know just a normal round, big boy style with a different type of uh, seed cavity that's real juicy. And so when you make that switch to the meaty ones, some people refer to that as mealy, but I love the meaty ones. That's that's my thing. Mm-hmm. Do you like more juicy or mealy? Um, I tend to like the juicier ones better. So now I'm rethinking the yellow ox heart thing. Um, but well, I tell love you what, pineapple, for right? the soup, for the, but here's the thing for the soup making, which I do my tomato soup recipe, my mom's tomato soup recipe is amazing. And, and for that one, you have to have a mixture of tomatoes in there. Some of which have to be, you know, have more flesh in them and be of a little bit of a drier texture or otherwise the soup is too liquidy. So I think that balance is important. You're growing Homer Fike's yellow ox heart. Okay. I shall give it a try. Oh, good. I was afraid I was being too forceful. No, no, no. no <laughs> Could you no. please grow Homer Fikes? Yes, I will grow one, and I will report back. I will fill out an official review form. Okay, good, good. I can't wait for tomato season. I can't wait for garden season. And listen, it's important to point out to people that as we are talking about tomatoes yeah. and growing tomatoes from seed, it is really important that you not start them yet. It is much too early to start tomato seeds. We're talking wait until March. All right, here we go, folks. Uh, That number again to dial in to join Doug and Jess on their adventure that is the Organic Garden. I guess this would be considered an adventure, wouldn't it? I think it's an adventure for you every week. Every week. It's definitely (laughs) worth showing up, though. I love the ride. All right, listen, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, they want to punch my ticket, too, for that ride. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. Yes, they are till 8 o'clock. And then Melinda's back with more local news, keeping an eye on that weather that's going to get extremely cold by midweek. And then Joe and Frank Dentisi talking rice recipes. Right now, though, 10th Caller wins an amazing $25 gift certificate to the good folks out there on Route 30. That is Janoski's Farm in Clinton, 412-922-1020. All right, right back to the phones we go. And up next, it's John Bethel Park. John, how you doing? Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Thank you. I have a a comment about something we discussed some time back and like to then get your reaction to it. I grow a lot of dahlias. And, uh, of course, they have to be dug this time of year. And the uh, only question seems to be, should you divide them then or divide them in the spring? Um, but I got to thinking about the fact that there are dahlias grown in warmer climates where they don't dig them. And I thought, what if you didn't divide them? What if you just dug them up, turn around and put them back down on the ground the next year? What would happen? So I did that last year. And what I found was they produced these very large plants with maybe six, eight, 10, 12 stalks and that many blooms at a time. All, um, you know, all through their season. And it was really neat to have these big chunks uh, of, uh, of color spread throughout the garden. So I was just wondering if you've had any experience with that or if, if other people try it or what do you think? I have heard of people that do it that way, that don't split them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I split them up, I split them up when I pull them out. When you split them up, you split them up in the spring, yep, right? Yep, I do it in the spring. But I've also done it where I've not divided it at all. And this, for me, in my experience... I don't typically divide when the plant is just a year or two old and it doesn't really need to be divided because I am with you on that, John. I love the big clump 
of foliage and multiple flowers. But eventually what happens is if you don't divide it after a couple of years, then you have decreased flowering, right? So the, the plant sort of produces a lot of green at the expense of flowers. So you'll get to the point where you have to divide it. Um, but certainly, or or at least just break off some of the some of the tubers and then keep them separate, but still keep that nice big chunk. Okay. Yeah. What got All you? Right. What got you into dahlias? Uh, we we moved here, and uh, there was had a really bad yard and hadn't had any attention. And we walked into Costco one day, and there was this big bag of dahlias for sale <laughs> at some ridiculous price. And I said, "Well, I don't know what those are like, but let's try it." Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! And you growing them every year now? Oh yeah, I grow them every year, and uh, discovering the different varieties. Which is kind of fun. I want to turn. Um, I want to turn you on to something. There, the Pittsburgh Greater Pittsburgh Dahlia Society has two auctions a year, uh, and okay. it's in in the, usually in the Munhall area. Just look, watch in the paper. There'll be a listing for it, and it's one of the most fun gardening events I've ever gone to. And all the growers come together with their extra dahlia bulbs, and and talk about different varieties uh, and even new introductions. They've got this incredible. A diverse group of, of dahlias that you can get very inexpensively and meet uh, like-minded growers, you know, and people that have introduced these mm. these uh, lo- at least locally uh, introduced some really cool dahlias. So keep an eye out for that. I think you would enjoy that. Oh, I'm sure I would. That's great. I look forward to that. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for your call. All right. Dollar Bank Instant Access. This is from Lori. Uh, do you know anything about a rose spray called Bio Advanced Disease Control for Roses, and is it organic? Does that ring a bell? Do you Bio know what it advanced. is? Bio-advanced. I'm wondering if that's bare, but let me... Let's look that up. You talk about disease control on roses while well, I'm double-checking this. You know... What was you, it called again? Bio... D- um, advanced Diseased. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, they're prone to fungal diseases, uh, black spot especially. If you know a, a rose is going to get black spot and you see it every year, the, the way to, to try and uh, combat it is to treat it before you see signs of damage. And that's by using uh, an organic fungicide would be the only thing that we would ever recommend. Yeah, so the, and the bio-advanced stuff is not. This is, this is a systemic Product. Okay, so this is we're going to get a little lesson here, right? And the difference between a systemic fungicide or pesticide and one that you spray on the plant. So a systemic would be like a granu- It's a granular product that you sprinkle around the base of the plant, and then that fungicide or pesticide is absorbed in through the roots and carried systemically through the vascular tissue, or what we maybe call the veins of the plant, right? So it's carried through, it goes into the leaves, it goes into the flowers, it goes into the nectar, it goes into the pollen, and uh, you can see where the problems are caused by these. While they are many times effective against diseases and pests, they have a very long-lasting effect on the environment and a lot of, I like to call it collateral damage, so other things that are affected by the use of these products. I almost never recommend, well, I'm going to just say I never recommend systemic products because of that. Um, For rose control, if you want something organic that's chemical-free, that's incredibly effective, um, I recommend any of the what are called biofungicides. So these are fungicides that are actually based on um, a living bacteria. So it's a bacteria that eats fungus. And the one that we love is called Serenade. And you can buy it at almost any local garden center. You spray it on the roses. Doug's right. It's best as a preventative. 
Um, like, like I said, you know, yeah. if you know a rose is going to get black spot. If it gets black spot every year, just as soon as it leaves out, start, uh, of course, you know, by the label directions, how often you're going to apply it. But that's going to keep the black spot off there. Black spot doesn't usually kill the plant, but it just, you know, a lot of times it, it really affects that second set. If you have a rose that has a second set of blooms, they just, they won't bloom that second time. And it looks terrible. It does. It looks awful. For me, if I have a rose and it gets fungus every year, I dig it out mm-hmm. and replace it with one of the new shrub roses that are fungus resistant and don't get it. And so those are, you know, that's my, it's much I, I, easier you know, that way. I've got roses, like I got like a climber that doesn't always get a black spot, but if it's like a season like last season. All the rain, yeah. Yeah, it, it got black black spot, uh, but actually did rebloom. But, you know, so I'm not going to dig out my big, I love that climbing rose. <laughs> I don't even think this bothers me right now. I don't even think they should be allowed to use bio in the name of that because that's it giving the impression that it is that, somehow organic yeah, and it is not. Yeah. That I don't think should be it. Whatever. Hey, yeah. congratulations to Kelly Bethel Park winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. Coming back with more of Doug and Jess in just a moment. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, uh, let's talk to uh, Pete in Elwood City, and then we're going to get to Mrs. Know-It-All. Pete, go ahead. Hey, folks, this is Pete. How are you all doing today? Good. What's going on? Well, we were gifted for the first time this Christmas with two amaryllises. We never had them before, and one of them produced nine salad plate-sized red blossoms. Wow. One of them produced four creamsicle blossoms. What I'm wondering is, are, are, are they like one and done, or how do you preserve them for next year's bloom? Do you dig them up? Do they grow for a while and create the next bulb? How does it work? Well, here's what we like to do. So as soon as they're done blooming, remove the flower stalk. But that that's not the leaves. That's the stalk that's in the center that had the flowers on it that now is putting on, like, little seeds, okay? Correct. Uh-huh. Remove that, and now we just grow it as a house plant. Uh, and then what I like to do with mine, and everybody does it a little different, I like to take mine outdoors when we get into the end of May and just let it grow out there. In a shady spot, though, right? Or do you do full Actually, well, I used to always do shady, but then Cheryl from Whiteflower Farm, she told me that you could put them in part sun, and okay. they, they seem to get more energy from the part sun, and she doesn't okay. fertilize hers. I always was fertilizing mine thinking, you've got to get enough energy in that bulb so that it blooms again. But then after a certain point in the summer, and I'm, for me, it's usually around August, bring them back in, no water, no fertilization, and they go into a dormancy. And all those big, strapping, glossy green leaves will just kind of turn brown, sending all that energy back into the bulb. And then we kind of let them sit for six, eight weeks, quietly in the dark. And then they kind of actually tell you when they're ready to, to go again because they'll start to put up these little little feelers, either a bud or it's going to be a, a, a leaf. If it's a bud, you get the flowers again. If it's a leaf, you've got to wait again for the next cycle. Anything I'm forgetting there? Um, no, just be patient with it and know that they're not going to, probably not going to reflower every year uh, just because it does require so much energy for them to produce those blooms. So if you get it to you know survive and come back and even just produce leaves, be proud of that. Uh, and, and, and 50, you, 50 shot, I yeah, think, and on when it you start, again. When you start doing this, if you have places for house plants like I do, you'll have a bunch of bulbs, and they'll be they'll surprise you with their blooms. 
You know, I've got some now that are starting to peak up, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to get, you know, because you can tell if it's the bud. And then I've got one just about to bloom. And so you never know when they're going to bloom. And and uh, as long as you, you take care of them and don't let them completely dry out during their growing season, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll eventually flower again for you. All right, time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber. She's a grower, a horticulturist, and our garden goddess. Good morning. Good morning. Keeping warm? Yeah, it's not too bad out there this morning. Better than uh, last week, that's for sure. Yeah, I think we're going to have a heat wave today of, I don't know, somewhere in the 30s. I'm just just not looking forward to this super, super cold. Actually, I've gone out, and there are some of my plants that I do wrap, A, to protect them against the deer, but B, because they might be a little tender here, and I don't want the buds to freeze. So I wrapped up my, I have a young, very young Japanese maple that's only about three or four years old, so it's still small. So I have that wrapped up, excuse me, Uh, I have that actually double wrapped um, because when they're young, they're really susceptible to bitterly cold temperatures. What are you wrapping them with? I go to house sales and buy old sheets. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, so my yard's a little colorful. Uh, and then I actually either use uh, twine or, depending on the size of the shrub, I may use bungee cords. I go to the dollar store and hook, you know, it's kind of easier, actually. You just kind of hook them together and you're good to go. Uh, I have a crepe myrtle and an ornamental peach that I really am concerned about since they are marginally hardy here to begin with. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed on them. And you've got a fig. Your fig is in the garage, though, right? Yeah, my fig's in the garage. I have a couple new ones, too, that are much smaller than I'm that I'm trying. But I've actually done that, like she describes, with the, with a sheet. And I love the bungee cord idea. I actually, oddly enough, often staple mine. Hmm. So I'll wrap, I'll cut the sheet size to fit around the plant, and then wrap the plant up, and then use a staple to staple it closed. Because if it's just a thin cotton sheet, it kind of goes right through it. I've always had good problem, luck in the though. landscape too. Right. Well, it's in our back where nobody really sees it, but except the deer. The only problem is, well, like it protects them from the deer, but it gets like crunchy, right? When it gets rained on and you get ice, and then it gets heavy, and so I've had I've had a little bit of branch breakage because of that. But you know, it, the, at least that the plant will live through versus something that's. But this is not something that you have to do with a plant that is fully hardy to zone five. Like you, if if you have plants, and most of us do that are fully hardy, don't go out and cover them in sheets just because we're talking about this. This is only for things that are not necessarily fully hardy here. I lost uh, two Japanese maples last year. One was relatively new, just two or three years old, but the other one had been in for, gosh, almost 20 years. But it just, you know, bit the dust. I just, you know, replaced it with something else, another shrub. Yeah, well, and the thing is, you know, you, you kind of learn too. You, you know, when in your had your property, at least with me, I have sort of microclimates where I know I can get away with things that are not quite as hardy as they really should be to grow here in the Pittsburgh region. So the, those things I'll plant like um, in the corner of our fence, right, where we have a stockade fence and two come together. And so that corner, it's really protected or up close to the house where it's a little more sheltered. So those are the places I know I can get away with plants that are marginally hardy versus out in the middle of the backyard. 
Remember, the Organic Gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.